Welcome back to another Crypto Daily 3 at 3. What's going on, guys? It is Tuesday, October 1st. Uh, we are officially in the thick of fall and we are officially in the thick of regulatory action, right? So today we're going to talk about uh, kind of one big topic that has a bunch of little different parts of it rather than the traditional three at three. And this is something that I'm going to be experimenting with a little bit more when there's a, you know, a 24 hour cycle where everyone is talking about one big thing. Um, I want to just hone in on that thing and really focus there uh, rather than necessarily just kind of arbitrarily finding two other stories that are, you know, uh, significantly less important or less relevant for that day. Um, so let's see how you guys like it. Let me know. Uh, use the comments. Um, hit me up on Twitter. But we're going to be talking about, I think, kind of obviously, uh, this SEC settlement with EOS. Um, but we're going to start backwards, actually, a little bit from uh, the first thing that made everyone on, on crypto Twitter act like they were a legal expert yesterday morning, which was the announcement of uh, the Crypto Rating Council. So basically, the idea here is that Coinbase, Kraken, uh, I think Circle, and a couple of others uh, in the exchange and custody space came together to effectively try to create a um, self-regulatory type of body where uh, they're, they're giving a designation to um, how likely the SEC is to consider uh, something a security or not. Uh, and so they rated it on a one to five scale with one being the least likely. So uh, Bitcoin gets a one and five being the most likely. So this is definitely a security. Uh, and this was actually relatively big news. Um, it was picked up by the Wall Street Journal. Uh, it was uh, picked up, obviously, by all the crypto outlets. And so there was a lot of chatter about this in the morning, right? Uh, so Larry over at the block, he says, this is a massive deal. Uh, they've joined forces to develop a system to rate which tokens are likely securities. The group is calling themselves Crypto Rating Council. The rating system will be made public. Scoring system is based on previous court doc decisions and statements. Um, and then he goes on to maybe give uh, what, you know, his take on it, right? So uh, this is kind of the key thing. He says, in my opinion, the rating system creates a massive conflict of interest. All the companies that join this consortium are massively incentivized to rate the vast majority of tokens as non-securities. Coinbase listed some very questionable tokens, including XRP, Tezos, EOS, uh, and he goes on and on and on. Um, so uh, there's the the they actually showed kind of the first list too as well. So you have uh, the ones are Monero, Litecoin, Dai, Bitcoin. Uh, the twos are things like Zcash, Ethereum, Chainlink, uh, Algorand, which raised a bunch of eyeballs. Um, and then over on the other end of the spectrum, you have like Maker as a 4.5, Polymath as a 4.5, XRP as a 4, Augur as a 3.75. Uh, and so anyways, a lot of people uh, were, chat were talking about this uh, yesterday morning. Uh, and, um, and it was interesting. So, so like I said, Larry's kind of thought process was one type of, uh, sentiment, right? That there's these conflict of interest. Uh, Bruce Fenton says, this is a head scratcher, great respect to the companies involved, but this seems odd. Either something is a security or it's not. So he's taking umbrage with the one to five, uh, ranking Eric Voorhees, uh, who we'll hear from again later, uh, says either something is a security or not. That's a quote. If this were the case, perhaps the SEC should release the list so that an entire industry doesn't have to spend millions of dollars reading tea leaves and arguing uh, and auguring the patterns of the birds. Uh, so the point here being that uh, as much as we'd like that clarity, it's not there. That's that's Eric's argument. Um, now, uh, Marco Santori uh, wrote a, a long thread on this, and it's really interesting. So basically, he uh, he talks about a number of different elements of this. Um, he calls it, and I think this is good, 
a hot or not for the Howey test. So basically the council will take notice of your crypto publicly rated according to a proprietary framework on a scale of likelihood of security status, whether you want it to or not. Uh, it's just a series of legal conclusions devoid of reasoning, a scattershot blast of facts aimed haphazardly out of uh, Howey's four short barrels. Uh, so why should they publish this? Why on earth should we applaud their effort? Well, actually we should. As an industry, this stuff is basically the best we've got. That's right, it's a twist. So basically what uh, Marco goes on to say is that um, effectively that a, a huge amount of effort is wasted on, uh, on time and money is wasted on this um, question of whether to whether companies are gonna get sued for doing whatever it is that they wanna do. Uh, and in his estimation, he says, Basically, Congress can't help, the SEC can't help, and so his, his SEC uh, logic I think is important. He says, on one side, they're stuck with the existing laws, which are too ambiguous to offer meaningful guidance. On the other, besieged by negative headlines, no matter the direction they choose. Anyways, their job isn't helping its investor protection. So what's left? Industry efforts to self-regulate. But this is not an industry for which self-regulation comes naturally, right? So basically, there's there's a bunch of things going on, but the way that I would sum it up is that uh, the why it's interesting is one, it's some attempt self-regulation. Um, two, there are clear questions of the incentives of the actors involved, right? Uh, you know, it's exchanges. Exchanges want to be able to list things. Um, Marco and others are kind of saying that this is maybe the best that we've got is these attempts uh, at self-regulation. Um, my feeling, my take on this is that I do think that there has to be some amount of this sort of, in the absence of clear guidance. Uh, and I don't believe um, that it's as clear as just things are uh, a securities or not. In fact, as we'll see, that's really murky. Uh, but I think that there, um, it behooves the industry to at least try to self-regulate, right? Like ultimately regulators are going to do whatever they're going to do in the name of investor protections. Uh, they're going to try to, uh, but, but their job isn't to, um, to, to make things work for this industry, right? And I think as an industry, the more that we can try to define the space that is logical, roughly consistent with what the uh, goals and objectives of those regulatory bodies are, um, and, and actually comply with that in a voluntary kind of way, the better, right? And I think that there are promising strands of, uh, of kind of self-policing, let's say, if not self-regulation in the crypto space. You have things like, uh, you know, Masari trying to bring transparency uh, through voluntary disclosures and, and trying to kind of normalize that with social, uh, with kind of social pressures, right? Instead of just um, actual uh, laws or rules. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, like, I kind of am, I'm sympathetic to the argument of just how conflict of interesty this is. Uh, I think there are likely ways that might have been better to do it. But I do think that ultimately, you know, we're going to have to have uh, bodies that are cross-organization within this industry that represent um, the perspective and the shared perspective after some amount of uh, of time on task of what uh, what industry actors think uh, is is the lay of the land. So I don't know. It, it kind of is a it, it's a it's a little bit neither here nor there because ultimately the SEC is going to do what the SEC is going to do, which brings us to. Uh, the bigger news, which was the SEC and EOS. So uh, this is Preston Byrne here uh, joking and, and basically connecting the thread between the Crypto Rating Council and the, uh, and the SEC news. He says, guess that blockchain ratings agency they announced today should move EOS from a 3.5 to a 5.0. Uh, and there's a, he, he shared the SEC news that 
SEC orders blockchain company to pay 24 million penalty, $24 million penalty for unregistered ICO. So what happened? Uh, basically, long story short, uh, the SEC and EOS settled uh, with EOS for violating securities law. Um, specifically, uh, they settled for $24 million. That's the penalty that EOS has to pay. Uh, and it's and it's basically for uh, for not registering the um, for not registering the the securities offering, right? And so uh, Catherine Wu uh, did one of her now infamous uh, annotations of the letter, both the letter that um, uh, basically the 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 two parts, the waiver letter and the settlement, right? So the waiver letter is the what uh, what the law firm of EOS sent to the SEC offering uh, as its kind of uh, suggested settlement. And then the settlement is what the SEC sends back. So she annotated both of them. And uh, and there's a couple key points. So one, like she says here, this is actually a pretty straightforward registration charge. Uh, it's, it's about the fact that they block one offered and sold securities that were required to be registered through the commission uh, and they weren't, right? Um, she says, and this is actually really the tone of her whole annotation, this is actually a huge win for EOS. Basically, the SEC said that there was no fraud or criminal conviction in the sale, um, which is really important, right? So this is, the SEC is uh, has this complaint against Block 1 for offering an unregistered security, uh, that unregistered part being the key issue there, um, but does not find uh, criminal violations or any uh, fraud activity, right? Uh, there's a whole bunch else in here. I highly recommend you read the rest of it. As you can see, uh, there's some interesting precedents. By the way, this really shows GeoBlock by itself is not enough. Um, and she goes into the whole thing. So uh, really, really valuable reading. Uh, but that's the that's the lay of the land. So to sum up, uh, EOS uh, got sued by the SEC, suggested a settlement. Settlement was uh, taken. It was They paid $24 million. It was for uh, offering an unregistered security. There was no criminal charge. There was no fraudulent charge. Um, and so Basically, the whole damn crypto world freaked the F out uh, about this, right? So it's a huge case. Uh, EOS is uh, much deloved, let's say. Um, they raised, you know, they, they were in some ways were the epitome of ICO excess uh, because of how much they raised, right? Over $4 billion around the world. Um, you know, they epitomized in some people's minds the inevitable re-centralization of cryptocurrencies that aren't fully decentralized out of the gate with the, the block producer idea. Uh, they have um, kind of been uh, sort of a, a, a flop relative to the amount of money that's gone in. And so it's just that for, for some people, EOS is kind of like the exact opposite of Bitcoin in some ways, um, although I guess XRP is that for others. But the point is that there's not a lot of love lost uh, for EOS with everyone in the crypto community, basically, who's not the EOS. EOS community. Um, and the EOS community has been a hell of a lot quieter over the last six to 12 months. Uh, so um, the, the the crypto world was kind of ready to freak out about this. And so what were the, the different camps uh, of that freaking out? Because this is, I think, where it gets really interesting. So camp one is they got away with murder. So this was kind of like the general base level case as soon as this news came out. So uh, Gabor from Van Eck, he says, Block One raised $4 billion in unregistered securities offering, paid $24 million penalty. Tell me how the SEC is out to protect investors. And there were a hundred different versions of this tweet. It was all over. It was kind of like, that was the first line of communication, uh, of kind of uh, reaction rather. 
But then you had this whole second camp, which was uh, basically, I, I jokingly call it, you're a bunch of commies. And so uh, you have Rand Nooner here say, help me understand. You're upset that Block One only got fined $24 million? I'm upset that they got fined at all. Uh, you have Bruce Fenton again, who says, crypto Twitter sounds more like a Che Guevara rally tonight. What a bunch of silly status. Well, who the heck are people? Are the people complaining that the government didn't levy an even larger fine? What? This is a profoundly bad take. I can't even. Uh, and so he's all frustrated again that like there's these folks who are theoretically uh, uh, against this sort of highly interventionist government who are, you know, angry, uh, arguing angrily for a greater penalty uh, for this project. Um, you have Eric Voorhees again, who we heard from before. He says, really sad to see so many in the crypto world upset that Block One wasn't fined even more by the SEC. They had 24 million taken from them. Some of y'all are more like Elizabeth Warren than Satoshi Nakamoto. Uh, and so again, this was kind of, like I said, the camp, camp one was you got away with murder. Uh, camp two was you're a bunch of commies. Camp three, which is kind of bringing it back to balance was uh, it's about the consistency, right? And so we have uh, on that actual, that same thread from Eric Voorhees, Stop into Crypt says, am I upset? No. Do I think the SEC, if they're going to insist on regulating things, should be more consistent about it? Yes. Do I expect them to be? No. Would I like to see the SEC go away? Yes. Do I expect them to? No. So you have uh, you have that that whole line, uh, which is kind of just the, there's a consistency thing. So what does that consistency mean? Uh, and so Larry, again, from the block, he says, if I was Blockstack, I'd feel like shit right about now. Blockstack raised $23 million in a compliant utility token offering. They spent $2 million to comply with all the regulations, which is 8.7% of the total raise. They also can't list their tokens on cryptocurrency exchanges, which means no liquidity. EOS, on the other hand, didn't ask anyone for approval, skirted all regulations imaginable, and ended up allegedly raising more than $4 billion. The SEC slapped them on the wrist and they paid a $24 million fine. That's 0.6% of the total raise and they are listed everywhere. EOS has a huge advantage over Blockstack in nearly every way. The SEC's fine yesterday sets a horrible precedent. Why would anyone do what Blockstack did? Struggle for cash and get no liquidity? They can go for a mega raise, advertise on Times Square, and then get away with it. Uh, and so... Uh, He's kind of taking it to cask. And I think that that's, to me, this is a, a lot of people I think found this, uh, there's a compelling question around uh, the consistency of application of the law, right? Like to the extent that uh, we're going to apply laws um, or regulations, it should be theoretically a fair playing field. Isn't that kind of the idea, right? Uh, and and some people said it's not the SEC's job to, uh, to make a player fair playing field, but that actually is part of its job is to make markets work fairly, right? Uh, so this was all the the, the camp of uh, consistency was, I think, uh, buffered when a little later in the day, SIA uh, basically announced that they had also reached a settlement um, uh, with the SEC uh, for a 2014 raise of, I think they raised something like 120 or 140 thousand dollars, and they were forced to pay 225 thousand dollars. So they had to pay, uh, you know, as John Keller says here, pay. Can someone please explain to me why SIA has to pay the SEC 187 percent of what it raised, while Block One only has to pay 0.6 percent of what it raised? So again, a lot of folks who are in that, uh, there's a real inconsistency uh, here. And then you have the folks who are a little bit more on um, what I might call just pragma the pragmatist, rationalist, uh, what can we learn, what can we take away point of view. So uh, Peter Van Valkenburg from the Coin Center says, 
there is no original sin. There is no transubstantiation. A presently functional and decentralized cryptocurrency need not be forever tainted by its crowdfunding origins. And the agreement and investment contract does not necessarily transmute into the token. So what he's saying in kind of a poetic language is that one of the things that this seems to suggest is that a, 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 Token can be a security when it's offered for sale and then not necessarily a security later, which is something that we've seen indications of before and this uh, kind of reinforces, right? So that's uh, one, one piece of the, um, one piece of the the kind of pragmatical take pragmatic takeaways, right? Then you have Paley over here uh, who says basically is kind of going after the idea that somehow this sets a precedent that it's a good idea or you're allowed to do ICOs, right? Uh, so he says the only precedent that the EO settlement sets is that you might get a better deal if you don't kick the SEC in the shins, start a to uh, a settlement fund online and say sue me. Obviously referring here to kick. Um, and then he goes on, and I think, uh, you know, he talks about how he doesn't expect additional criminal action. And he says this, which I think is important. It might seem off-brand for me, but I actually think settling the bulk of the early-ish non-fraud ICO cases and letting people remain in business if they have functioning tech and widely distributed tokens makes sense. That's really the, the rub of it for him, and I think is the important note is that uh, basically, it doesn't necessarily benefit anyone for those projects that weren't out and out scams, that weren't out and out frauds, that are still going, uh, even if people don't like them, uh, to to punish them uh, rather than just kind of do this type of settlement. Uh, and he goes on to point out that uh, effectively, um, uh, one, that everyone was in the same boat. Uh, even two years ago, there was still misunderstanding. Some of it made worse by lawyers about was and wasn't acceptable. Punitive business ending sanctions in non-fraud cases involving this area of emerging tech don't make sense to me. Then he goes on to point out that there's so much actual fraud that dwarfs uh, everything that happens in crypto in other markets that it really doesn't uh, behoove the SEC to focus there. Um, now, one other category of kind of the uh, what the precedent might be comes from uh, Philip over at Arca. He says, after block one, real projects like Ripple will not be shut down by the SEC. They will find them, but it won't be death. This should be extremely bullish signal for XRP. It's clear they hired Mary Jo White and Andrew Cicerini to negotiate a settlement not to fight the SEC. And XRP jumped 7.4% about 12 hours before public announcement of EO's settlement. Someone with inside knowledge got the jump on that. Uh, I have no idea if anyone at XRP had inside knowledge or if it's just the vagaries of the markets. But the point he's making there basically is that if your thing exists in the wild, uh, it's more likely that you are going to be able to pay to clean things up uh, than uh, than just uh, than to actually be existentially shut down or brought up on criminal charges. Um, and then, of course, there's bully uh, with the ultimate pragmatist take, which is the financial opportunity. Uh, he says paid group leaders are furiously trying to figure out which cryptocurrency will settle with the SEC next. So, anyways, let's let's maybe break it down just for a minute, and then we'll we'll wrap up. So, what's my take? Uh, one, this is the way the world has always worked period right huge money equates to power and the the ways in which money equates to power might be different they might be changed in this case it has to do with uh lawyers who know other lawyers who know judges who know like whatever right like it's it's about the quality of legal defense the ability to buy your way out of it 24 million is a huge amount of money 
except in the context of having four billion raised, right? Uh, you know, and so I think this is actually what frustrates some people about you know a, an actor like Blockstack trying to work in good faith and spending two million dollars. Um, at least they had two million dollars to spend to do it the the right way, right? But the idea that somehow this uh, new industry wasn't going to be subject to the reality that money is power uh, is you know I think faulty, uh, and I think that we can and we should fight against that. Um, so I don't mind people being up in arms about it. I think it's a good thing. But the reality is, is that money is power and it always has been and it's hard to imagine a future in which it's not. Um, what's more, brazenness has a really good track record in business, right? Uh, if you look at the the people who have kicked down the doors of you know uh, public markets in the last whatever, or private markets in particular, rather, uh, in the last 10 years, it's people like Travis Kalanick at Uber who are take no prisoners, ask for forgiveness, not permission, and really don't even ask forgiveness, right? Like whatever set of incentives there are, and it's way beyond the scope of this one uh, conversation right now, um, you know, money is power and brazenness is a great way to get money. So, you know, uh, maybe other companies or other projects that did want to do uh, real meaningful things should have raised $4 billion so they could fight the system in their own way. But, you know, here we are. So that's number one. Number two, I do think that this reinforces the need for uh, as much damn clarity as the SEC can give us, right? Uh, it is frustrating to look at someone like a Blockstack who spent all that money on compliance, but you know who were able to raise effectively less than what the uh, what EOS will. Um, you know, we'll, we'll pay in a fine. And I think it's ex especially frustrating to go even farther down the line where all of a sudden the $2 million in, uh, in legal fees that it take to actually, took to actually make that legitimate registration uh, that, that Blockstack did work, uh, that that cuts off a huge array of projects, right? So all of a sudden, this this technology, which is inherently uh, disruptive and and differentiated, uh, is just playing a game of uh, of of compliance arbitrage, and only the projects that can afford to raise that sort of money in advance can actually do anything. Um, so I do think that it really does reinforce the need for as much as much as much possible clarity from the SEC and better pathways for organizations to actually do things above board. Uh, uh, otherwise, it just it just makes sense to go away. Uh, and we've talked about it before on this. I know some people are skeptical that entrepreneurs will will move to for regulatory clarity, but um, it, it makes sense to me, right? Like I have a family, I'm here, and I'm not starting a protocol. But if I were, there's no friggin' way I'd do it here. It just doesn't make any sense. So, uh, anyways, more regulatory clarity. Number two, desperately needed. Um, number three. We got to remember that, you know, for all of those folks who are frustrated and flustered, um, it still doesn't change anything about what a success or failure EOS is today. And right now, it's very hard to argue that EOS is in a better position now than it was six months ago. Uh, it, it really is. So I, just keep that in mind as we're like, let's, to the extent that we can separate that set of feelings about EOS from, uh, from, from this question, uh, I think is important, right? Like money can buy power and influence, but what money can't buy is success necessarily when it comes to uh, an innovative new technology and innovative new social system and innovative new money. So for those of you who are uh, angry and frustrated, don't despair. Um, finally, uh, it's just a good reminder that if you really want a totally different system, you have to opt out all the way. And there is a reason that people keep coming back to Bitcoin uh, and people are so excited about Bitcoin is that it just is such an anomaly in the history of the world of 
anything that touches money, right? A, a leaderless organization that doesn't have a, a, a single company, it doesn't have a boss, it doesn't have a marketing department. Um, you know, it's part of why it sits over in that one column uh, in in both the Crypto Ratings Council's estimation and really in the SEC's estimation is that it's just, it truly is a different phenomenon. Uh, and people are annoyed and they're sick of hearing that over and over, but it's just the case, right? Uh, and I think that it's a, it's a particular legacy of that asset. So, uh, lots of reasons again when you see this to uh, to find your way back to Bitcoin. But uh, that's all for today. What do you guys think? I I'm interested to see which camp do you do you fall in. Are you in the they got away with murder camp? You're all a bunch of commies camp. It's about the consistency camp or the pragmatist camp, or is there some other camp that I've just missed entirely? Uh, anyways, guys, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, and I will be back tomorrow. All right, guys, peace.